What's up? Finger guns. <laughs> Jinx. What up? With the nice hair. Hey, Can man. Look it? at you, too. You even trimmed the beard up. I did. I trimmed it. Gotta clean that. It's springtime, man. You gotta look good. Oh, that's it. Okay, you're spring cleaning. <laughs> spring cleaning the beard. <laughs> Speaking of beard, so my friend, uh, my friend Steven has like really curly hair. So for our listeners, my last name is Kaufman. I'm Jewish. And my friend Steven has really curly hair. So we call it his Jufro, um, mm-hmm. ironically, because he's the not Jewish of the two of us. And uh, unfortunately for, for me, when I grow my facial hair in, the sides of my mustache are so blonde that you can't see them. So when my facial hair grows out, I look like a political figure that most people don't like to refer to. So we have a bet going basically until we take the step one of our board's examination in two months, I'm growing my facial hair. Oh no. Hair out. So the day before the exam, I'll shave my beard and keep the mustache and he's going to have the big hair. We're going to take a picture next to each other. And that will be like our, <laughs> our commemorative for the rest of your life. <laughs> exactly. Remember when we suffered for like two months and just did nothing but studying? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I remember that. I was like, dude, what's up with the stash? Do you like just mess around or what? And you're like, no, 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 no. Nope, this is, that's it. This is how it grows in. Like, oh, I love you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay, bro. I'll stand up for you. you yeah. know, the worst, like the beard looks really good, and then the mustache grows in, and it just fucking ruins the whole thing. Because you either you either yeah. shave the mustache, and then you have like a chin strap, which is a, a non-starter for me, or you dye the sides of the mustache. But who does that? I'm excited for it. Well, you should dye it a color. Since you love red, you should dye it dye it red. Just my, my just make my whole beard red. <laughs> Uh, i'm just a ginger from the cheekbones down oh yeah i love this (laughs) happy happy spring cleaning dude (laughs) Uh, happy spring baby so we've got a lot of questions today we've almost got like an action items list here dude it's a whole q a episode i know i'm excited well let's bring the excitement forth i think you have you have a good one coming ready to go. So I haven't heard this one. So I'm excited to hear it too. Mm, get the head bob in there. Yeah. Mm, so this one, I, I wanted to really get to first because it's pertinent to this person's life um, in a very like actionable way. And so it's something I really wanted to touch on. And the way, the way that I like to put this question is basically, how do you come out of the spiritual closet to the world and to your family? You know, essentially, how do you, uh, how do you share your spiritual, the way that she put it is like, how do you share the spiritual side of yourself with the world. Um, any thoughts and advice on embracing that process and pushing past the fear? It's tough. I think this, it always depends on the person and the kind of their story, who they are. But what I say always in general is start small. You don't need to just all of a sudden start talking about aliens and timelines and all these things. I mean, you can, right? That's the other way you can kind of just blast it out and freak over and out a little bit. You can just kick the closet door down just, and be like, yo, there is no more closet. There is no more damn house. I'm just giving it the damn boot and we're moving forward. And for some people, that's their path. So yeah, there is the part where you can just blow up the whole house and just completely come out of the closet and there is no more closet, but I believe in just starting to share yourself and your interests little by little. And it can be something small. It can be something minute. And it's just purely of sharing like these things that interest to me and you get to plant the seed. 
And you can plant a little seed and be like, okay, like this is something cool. And like, they have some time to settle in and get used to this thing, this new idea, whatever. And you can slowly start to share more and more of yourself. And this is just working out your own level of comfort and just taking yourself through this process, taking them through this process with you, but also releasing the expectations that they are going to either agree um, or understand because most people won't. And there are sometimes there's soul lessons here. You know, my, my background in psych is therapy. It's no, it's taking yourself into that framework of knowing who it is you're speaking to and how to relate to them. And through that, you can kind of meet in the middle. Like you're sharing yourself in a way that's relatable to them. And it becomes slowly more and more and more and more just full expression. Where, where are you at on this, dude? I mean, I like the, I like that you brought up the relational aspect of it, which is like, you know, sometimes we take people through it. Sometimes they're not supposed to come with us with regards to it at all, but like with everything it's, it's about the relationships that we have in our life. And with regards to moderation, the way that I think about this is just continue to be yourself and to, and to, to live your life and just be the expression of what it is that you believe in more so than than telling people about it so that they can hearken to your vocabulary, right? The way that I think about it is that the words that you use and the vocabulary you use about your spirituality is far less important than the love that you experience with the people who are around you. So <laughs> it, it really is just about being yourself and people will become curious about what has changed about you. Like, well, you know, I've noticed that you've, you know, you've been a lot more selfless lately and they probably won't say it that way, you know, but, oh, I can, I can tell that like you really are feeling a lot more compassionate about people or that you're really trying to relate to what people are feeling a lot more, like what's been going on with you. And, you know, they might open up the door for you to discuss those things, but people will start to see how your beliefs are changing you in a positive way. And that is far more important than any level of vocabulary about what your spiritual beliefs are. Nobody needs to believe in a Pleiadian to be good to other people around them, right? That's the most important thing. And, you know, (laughs) with regards to the fear, I mean, it can be nerve wracking to start sharing with your family or your friends, your spiritual beliefs, especially if they're all atheist or they're all, you know, agnostic at best is what I like to call it. And some of the fear comes from the with the potential for the withdrawal of love. And sure, it can be hard to or challenging to love somebody when you don't agree with them or when you don't believe the same things that they believe. But you know it's even harder to love somebody who you don't know. Right. So by being yourself and being who you are, and when the time calls for it, espousing the spiritual beliefs that you have, uh, but mo- more often than not, just living your spiritual beliefs in practice, that allows people to really know the true you. It's hard to love somebody when they're hiding things from you, but to have it all on the table, that's the way to love somebody because love is based in truth. And if we're not being fully honest with people, then you can't really have real love. So. That's what I have to say about that. I love everything you just said. I do have a, another little question for you, um, but I wanted to also just read a little bit that I wrote on an Instagram post yesterday, uh, what you were saying about some, if you don't share yourself, right, someone doesn't get to know you. 
And the greatest gift we can give someone is to know us truly. And that's what we all crave, right? The ability to be mm-hmm. seen, to be heard. And that's what that big fear is. So I wrote a little blurby blurb that I'm going to share with you lovely folks. So enjoy my blurby blurb. <laughs> you can't minimize yourself for the sake of your relationship. It builds unconscious resentment. This helps in the short term and blows things up in the long term. Anytime we sacrifice true parts of ourselves, allow our light to be dimmed for the sake of somebody else, it's going to end rough. In partnership, in any relationship, the goal is to allow both people to be the fullest version of themselves. You come together through that. Then the partnership becomes everything it's truly meant to be. You do the opposite. You see the worst sides of that partnership. You get to be yourself and be the best version of that you can be. That's what you deserve And that's what the partnership deserves. So in this context, not necessarily a partnership, but we're talking about relationships because they're all one and the same. But the greatest gift is the full expression of yourself. And the thing you crave is to be seen and heard and validated. You can't have that if you don't do that. Mm. So, but the piece I wanted to ask you, brother, is, I mean, you started to get into this a little bit, but dealing with that fear. So that fear of, okay, I'm going to be rejected or also then what then happens if that does happen, you do get some pushback. Cause this is something, you know, for people that are listening, going through this really meaningful. This is the deepest part of ourselves, our spirituality. And that can be one of the most difficult things if that is not being seen, heard, or validated. So what there? Fear creates more of itself is what I have to say to that. So the longer that you stay quiet, the longer that you, sit and wonder what if, I mean, so for example, I mean, my family is very atheist, uh, very scientific. They act active, actively and avidly make fun of people who believe in God, like in front of me, you know, it's, it's whatever, like, I think it's, I think it's funny, you know, (laughs) but coming from that, uh, and having, you know, the crazy woo woo spiritual beliefs I have, you know, it was a little, nerve wracking for me to be like, well, I believe in things that these people um, have tried to believe in and don't for, you know, for their own good reasons. How am I going to come across, you know, are they going to think I'm the black sheep? And, you know, I have some other family details that make that particular fear even more pronounced for me. Um, But what I had to, what I really had to say to myself at the end of the day was like, you know, the longer that I hide from my family in whatever way that is, um, the the longer that this fear gets to grow and faster. And it's never as bad as you actually think it's going to be. I mean, I I spoke to my uncle over Thanksgiving. Uh, Once again, you know, he's one of the one of the folks in my family who avidly makes fun of people who believe in God. And he was asking me, you know, if I believed in a higher power. Uh, we were just in a kind of a deep philosophical conversation. And I said, yes. And I, you know, I described to him um, how through, you know, through nature and through science and all these different things, like what my, what my worldview and my spiritual view was. And you know what he had to say at the end of it? Like, wow, that's very deep and very well thought out. And the way that you talk about it makes a lot of sense. Like I could see how you believe in that. So, I mean, it, it really like, you know, there's the thing that I had feared for a long time and it was so normal and made me feel so good afterwards because like Neil said, like the, the part of me that really wanted validation couldn't get validation from 
compliments about things that weren't true to my own nature. But now that I had actually shared something that was really true to me and close to my heart and I got validation for it, it actually felt whole. And I actually felt more connected to the people in my life after having done that. Yeah, man. I'm really glad you shared that. I remember how big that was and just, just knowing, you know, what I know of you and the family dynamics, um, and to anyone going through that, right. We, we all have these dynamics as well. And it's, it's our journey to navigate that. Whatever that is for us is we are on our paths to the fullest expression of ourselves and our truths as are they. And so maybe what they need also is a little bit of an opportunity to disagree as uncomfortable as that is as well, right? Like disagreement, it, it's not about you. It's about them, their truths, their lessons, as you are in your truths and your lessons, you don't quite maybe agree with some of the things that they are believing and sharing, especially in the spiritual world. That's, that's a very common thing for all of us. And that's okay. And I think that that's the piece here. You can go into this as well. I mean, that the intention behind this of like, I'm trying to share something. I want to be validated and I want them to agree. And I'm going to say these things and this. And so they all agree. Whereas like we can hold different beliefs and still fully love each other without trying to change the other person. We can have a level of acceptance. They may not have that yet, but for you to be able to go into these moments, these conversations that like, they may not agree and that's okay. This is still my truth. I love that. They still love me. Them disagreeing does not mean they don't love me. Okay. All right, let's do this. I love that you emphasized disagreement. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, I personally think that disagreement builds strong relationships because that is where each people are like, here are my boundaries. And you get to learn what the other person's boundaries are, right? Which is just as important as getting to know what a person likes or loves. The analogy that's coming to me or that I'm seeing is like a tree growing and the tree needs the positive things like, you know, uh, nutrient rich soil and it needs rain and it needs the sun, right? So it needs all those things. And those could be the things in your relationship that are like common interests or um, shared friends, or um, if it's, you know, if it's a relationship like sexual and romantic attraction, like all of these positive things that, that nurture the relationship. But if you look at strong trees, they can withstand a lot of wind. And in fact, like in a physiological level, when really strong wind blows through, trees actually grow outward. It's a stimulus for trees to get thicker and for their roots to deepen. So yeah. you need the positive and the negative, right? The disagreements, if you have, if you can, the way that I'm seeing it is like, there's all of these little lines or connections between you and another person. And those are all the positive things. And then when the disagreements arise and you talk through them and you, you know, get to the other side of that talk, it's almost like there's this big like sheath that gets wrapped around all of those strings and bundles them all together and makes their integrity a lot stronger. Three workouts, soul workouts. Three workouts. They, exactly. they strengthen your sense of self, that trunk, what that back do. Um, what are you going to do with all that trunk? <laughs> going to do with all that trunk. <laughs> uh, well, this whole question is the perfect segue into the next question. We have maybe probably already answered a lot of it, but um this question is, what do you do when your spouse or partner is not as spiritual as you? So this individual is talking about, you know, 
their marriage, but this can be any relationship relationship dynamic of someone who's kind of still in the 3D world, very physical. In this situation, her partner will kind of just deflect her truth and experience. Um, you know, the one thing that he says is that this person is separated from reality when she tries to identify something, share something that she's seeing, something within her experience that's a deeper level of truth. Um, and it really affects her, but it also affects the relationship dynamic and the family as a whole. So what do you have to say here, brother? I actually have a lot of personal experience with this. Um, my last serious girlfriend, I met her at a time when I was just like my family, you know, uh, agnostic at best kind of thing, believed in some greater level of organization in nature and in the universe, but really, you know, didn't, I didn't want anything to do with spirituality. And my girlfriend was very spiritual. And when she met me, her spiritual gifts really started to awaken. And that was even more on top of what we were going through. You know, she was beginning to channel and like see things and having like out of body experiences and all that stuff. And I had no framework for how to one, how to help her at best, but really for how to even be like, this chick is crazy, you know, like how to right. not feel that way. Um, and, you know, ultimately I loved her very much and we, you know, we, we worked with it, but the things that I would say from my perspective as the person who was not spiritual and now being in the place in my life where I'm looking for a partner or not really looking for a partner, but I'm not letting a partner into my life. Who's not spiritual. Right. Um, I can speak from kind of both angles. And what I would say is when I was not on that end of things, the things that bothered me were not having the space to have my own beliefs about my life. Right. It was one thing when she would share her experiences with me, it was another thing entirely when she would try and ask me questions that would get me to engage with her beliefs as though I believed them or mm-hmm. to try and, you know, inch my beliefs towards what she believed in. And it was like, listen, I don't believe in these things. I don't have an interest in believing in these things. Please respect my boundaries and I'll respect yours. Right. So really giving your partner the space to have their own beliefs. And this ties in with my answer to the last question, which is like you living your beliefs and like living as the embodied version of what you're learning uh, is far more important than getting somebody to agree with the vocabulary that you have about something, you know, seeing angels or seeing guides or all that kind of stuff is far less important terminology than being like, you know, I really feel at peace and guided in my life. Like, I feel like there's a greater sense of purpose in my life and a greater, deeper sense of love in my life, I think is the more important thing. With regards to your partner saying that you are becoming detached from reality, I mean, for one, I mean, actually, I don't know this this person, but it's probably not true, right? Like there are there are some cases in our lives where it's important to have a healthy level of skepticism about our own beliefs to be like, okay, let me double check with where I was a year ago and, and like all the things that I believed in and where I'm at now. And let me just track to make sure that, you know, I'm not straying too far, but at the same time, realizing that like, you know, I have faith and I have experiences and these experiences are inexplicable 
with the framework that was inherited by me, by the culture that I grew up in. Um, and, you know, the person, your, your partner doesn't have to believe what you believe, but it's important for your relationship that they respect it and that they respect you. Um, and so, you know, really, really addressing how their words made you feel in that moment. You know, if somebody told me that I was detached from reality, whether or whether or not that was true, I would be like, Hey, you know, like, even if that was true, uh, sweetie, like the way that you said that was not respectful to me. And honestly, it really, it really hurt my feelings. And I think it's something that, you know, you should reflect on that we should talk about at some point in time or however you want to do that conflict resolution. But uh, what's far more important for your relationship is uh, respect, mutual respect and the love shared between you two. So once again, I'm at a loss for words today, so I'm rambling, but I hope that helped. I mutually love you too, bro. (laughs) Um, I love everything you said. And the one thing that was coming up to me when I was speaking the question and you started to answer was the word respect as well. So I'm doubling down on that second answer. And it's not, and I'm going to tie in my first answer to the first question as well. It's not about them agreeing. And I think that's the agreement that you need to both come into together. And it's having a conversation about respect, respecting the other's truths and opinions and allowing them to be heard and spoken. And you can build the conversations around that. So full honor of what the other person's truth is and respecting that and hearing it fully and vice versa. Once that is established, then these conversations get to expand and go deeper. But just making it a conscious agreement and intention to hear the other person and just to hear them, right? It doesn't have to be me trying to make this point and let you believe my opinion and me trying to make this point and making you believe my opinion, but just hear me and hear what I have to say. And if it feels right for you, then try to understand it from my perspective and I will do the same for you. And if we don't go anywhere from there, that's okay. But there's no discord, right? That energy flows, it's reciprocal, it flows back and forth. Whereas if it's vice versa, then there's some clash and things build and there's that resentment and there's things impacting the family because things are surfacing that aren't being spoken, that are unconscious and blah, 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 blah. But if we can go into agreement that I just want you to hear me, whether or not you agree, that's okay. We don't have to resolve this, but I just want you to hear this thing that I'm speaking that I feel is true. And from there, whatever happens, happens, but that will smooth things out. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the things it seems like you're talking to or you're speaking to is boundaries, right? And what I, when I reflect on this question and the very brief interaction that was like described in this, in this question, what I hear is on your partner's end, at least a really poor ability to communicate a boundary. I hear two things actually. So one, I hear I'm uncomfortable with these beliefs and I don't want to talk about them because they make me uncomfortable. And here's like, you know, if, if you could find a community to talk about these things, these, you know, these beliefs with, that would make me feel really comfortable. 
um, would be the better way of putting that boundary. But another thing that I hear is fear. I remember, and I don't think I ever said this to my girlfriend, but I remember, you know, thinking that some of her beliefs were delusional at the time. And I, it made me angry because in truth, it actually made me scared and anger was the way that I responded to things in my life. But what scared me was that, you know, the, the feeling that I don't think I can follow you into these beliefs. And if I can't follow you into these beliefs and they're becoming so central to your life, then what does that mean for our relationship? Like our, is our relationship going to split and fracture because you're going too far away from me? And that's a natural fear to have, right? And for, for a lot of people who are healthy and integrated, and I'm not saying that your partner's not healthy, but I'm just, I'm just using the terminology that I'm comfortable with. We will go, okay, like I, I will love this person to the extent that I can, that is, that I can love them, that I'm capable of. And at the end of the day, if the relationship still, you know, can't, can't withstand this fragmentation between our beliefs, then that is what's best for both of us. And I will always love and honor and respect this person that I'm with right now. Um, and I completely lost the second half of that. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a second half to that um, Thank God. on a slightly different note of that. But the thing that you mentioned is they're uncomfortable. And I am speaking to the uncomfort in a different way now the discomfort, mm. whatever, the lack of the comforts. <laughs> um, with the discomfort that comes up for somebody, you know, one of the things, if we look at this on a spiritual perspective, this person is in a quote-unquote higher vibration and they are in quote-unquote 5D. This person is still operating in quote-unquote 3D. And so what happens there on the energetic discord? A lot of triggers so mm-hmm. this discomfort can also be discomfort with the truth. Seeing you're bringing something to light that can be really confronting, even though for you, this is something that's so basic and like, it's the way you think, it's the way you understand things. For this person, it may not be. And their level of personal development of their self-awareness may not be at this depth that you hold. And so you bringing these things to light brings up something really difficult and freaking scary and they're just not ready for that yet Mm -hmm. and there's that energetic difference again so it may not be that it may let me rephrase that it may be you know that thing that they're saying to you is really a reflection of their inner experience of their projection of their quote-unquote shit onto you so it could be a lot of different things going on more likely it's probably all of it at once which makes it that much more difficult yeah whenever somebody lashes out at us it is almost invariably their own shit that they're projecting onto us um before we wrap this question up i do just want to say I, I am not trying to consign this person's relationship to finality. I, I believe no. that this person will follow their heart and find a very deep level of love and fulfillment. So I believe in you and whatever, whatever happens with your relationship. And I really, really, really hope the absolute best for you. Yeah. And I'm going to give my final statements on this to follow that energy and <laughs> your intention of what you're sharing there. Cause it's true. We're not saying this doesn't work. It's going to end, but how can you come together? That's, that's the final bit here is how can you come together 
with respect for the other and their opinions and their truths. And that will bridge this discord and bring things together more and more and more. And it will help both parties in their growth, both sides in their growth and their growth as a person, as a soul. And it will help the relationships growth as its own entity. All right. I have a very serious question for you, Zach. And it's very deep and it's a lot. So I'm going to drop into my heart before I ask you this. Are you a side or a black sleeper? Oh, brother. <laughs> You've come with the, the heavy hitting questions. Thank God. I thought you were going to ask me if it was going to be waffles versus pancakes. And that was going to be a whole, that was going to be a whole debacle. Um, I start on my back uh, and then I sleep on my side throughout the night. But like, I get myself into like a really deep, like half sleep trance by laying on my back. And then when I roll to my side, it's, it's game over. It's lights out. All right. I respect that. As long as you didn't say face sleeper, then I don't know if I could respect your truth. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man, that's too much. I can't fucking starfish, man. It hurts your back so much. Yeah. It cranks your neck and cranks you can't breathe. I never, I, I don't understand people who do that. It makes no sense to me, but it's it's i mean it's actually like it's a risk factor for babies like you do not let babies sleep on their stomach um so if you're not gonna let a baby do it don't accept that kind of treatment from yourself either yeah baby neil we're not doing that we don't deserve that it's a risk factor we deserve more we deserve to live <laughs> okay risk factor for discomfort <laughs> this is bullshit <laughs> oh all right so on to more serious things i had to do that um Second question. This is a two-parter, but let's let's go with the first part of it first. Why is it so difficult for humans to do things without applying a reason or purpose to it? Now, the background, the context to this, this is this idea that when more times than not, when people make a decision, they have to attach some sort of justification. And it always comes from quote unquote wound and pain. When I say I'm going to take a vacation from work because I've worked so damn hard. Whatever it is, there's always like, I find myself needing to justify my pleasure and I can't just sit there and enjoy it. So what did you have to say, Senor Zachariah Kaufman? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things here. One of them is that we live in a society based on the mind, based on rationality, where the majority of people, even those who are religious and not like, you know, new age spiritual they still identify with their mind and their ego. And the mind is, it's a computer. If you look at the way that it's, that it's laid out, it is a rash. It's a tool for rationality. Um, I, what I will say is that there are, there are two different approaches to using logic for these types of things. There's the, from, and in, in from a psychiatric standpoint, there's the unhealthier coping mechanism, which is rationalization, which is where you take Basically, you just you you do something that you know you're not supposed to do, and then you try and explain it away by making it something else, right? And then there's intellectualization, which is the more positive version of that, which is where you you bring lo you bring logic to something that you're doing, or you bring logic to something that is emotional, and these are signs of like healthy development and maturation of a brain, right? So uh, I, I want to start by saying like it's not bad. And I don't think you think this, but it's not bad that people can logically explain or try to logically explain what they're doing. Um, but I, but what I hear is that 
you know, sometimes you just want to do something and it, it should just be enough that you want to do it so you can go do it. And I get that. And I think that at that point, it really just comes from a society that represses that or doesn't reward that kind of behavior. You know, there are so many forms to fill out in our society. Like, oh, well, you want this, like to get authorization for it. Tell me why you need it. Oh, you need funding for this. Well, why is that? Or even your parents like, oh, you want $10? Like, well, what are you going to do with it? I go to the movies, right? And these things are good. You know, they're, some of them are, are necessary, but we get to a point where we don't learn how to trust our own intuition and our own emotions that say like, this is a positive feeling this is creating for me. Not a pleasurable feeling that comes from the mesolimbic part of our brain that's like addiction-based, but this is a positive feeling that makes me feel whole. I need a break because I feel like I need a break, not because X, Y, and Z. Um, and, you know, I think the way that I go about this is like when somebody is really trying to over-rationalize or over-intellectualize something to me, you know, I go like, hey, you don't have to explain yourself to me. It's okay. Like, if you feel like you need to do that, then you need to do that. That's okay. I'll respect it, right? And giving people the space to not need to explain themselves. And in kind, doing the same for yourself. Like, you don't owe anybody a fucking explanation in your life. You don't. If you don't want to do something, you can say no. You don't need to tell them why. Well, why don't, why don't you want to come with me? Because I don't, <laughs> you don't have to tell them why or like, that's, you know, that's my own personal reason. If you want to do something, you don't know anybody an explanation. You know, if you want to be polyamorous, fine. You don't need to explain to your family why you need to do that. Um, if you're in a you know primary partnership, you should probably explain to your partner why you want to be polyamorous. But <laughs> for, for the most part, you don't need to explain yourself, give yourself permission to do that and give the people in your life permission to not explain themselves to you, be a safe space for people to trust their intuition and their emotions. And like everything else I've said in this podcast today, um, be the change that you want to see. I'm going to say it again. I just love you, dude. Hey man, I love you too. I love you too. You don't have to justify anything to me. I don't have to justify our love. Well, see, Neil, the reason that I love you so much is because... You're a thick tie man <laughs> with a beard. You've got hands Funny, of a great gold. reason. You've got healing hands of gold. You've got healing hands of gold. You like a the child. same kind of beer that I like. I do. As I'm sending you energy, but it looks like I'm just caressing your face. I was eating some of the ice cream you left in my fridge. And I it was, was like, good, wasn't it? You. It was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I ate all the good parts out of it. So it wasn't as good of a time. You it was like, it, there I were think. a couple good chunks left over, but I was yeah. like, yeah, you know, it's not the same without him here. I infused my my nealness into it for you though, so you're just tasting. You're, just, you're eating your ice cream. Your, your saliva. <laughs> my saliva. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, we didn't do a we didn't do an episode last week, but you know Neil and I finally got to see each other again after a long stint away. We did, and we may have to see each other again soon. For some reason, I also really want to play tennis with you and shoot hoops. So do you, I, do I don't do either tennis? of those. No, yeah, me either. But for some reason, I thought about those. I'm like, I really want to do this with Zach. Okay. I'm short. I never shoot hoops, but I do love tennis. All right. So things, things to do. Plus the hiking, all the spring adventures, all the good <laughs> stuff. Just a, just a lot of balls and a lot of nature. Yep. All love. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with that question, um, you, you, you said a phrase and um, it stuck out to me. You said, I need a break because I feel like I need a break. And I want to further that into an affirmation for this person. Um, whatever it is, it's, I need a break because I deserve a break. 
and to acknowledge that there's there's something that's coming up for me for this person around like inner child stuff around parenting mm-hmm. and you know you talked about the ways our society works right we have this the societal expectations these cultural normative beliefs about work we are taught to work and that's the most important thing you don't have to you have to do this in order to be to take a break because work's most important right like that whole thought process that's the american capitalistic process and that is one layer of it but i think for this person there is something from childhood there as well so my question for this person is is there something there that taught you you know with with your parents or some sort of event some phrase maybe that parents spoke to you over and over and over that makes you feel like you need to justify your beliefs, your actions, gives you maybe some fear of judgment or almost like you're just being controlled. Uh, There's a restrictive sort of feeling to this. So I don't quite know what it is, but just some questions for this individual to look at for themselves. Um, If you don't know right away, that's okay. I... To do this myself, we'll just go into my body for it. Just. That's a whole thing in and of itself. But I will just close my eyes and breathe. Breathe into my heart. Breathe into my stomach. And just bring this idea up. So, okay. There's something, some event, some experience that I had in childhood that taught me to fear judgment that taught me to justify. I need to have a reason for the things that I want to say. And just breathe and let your breath take you to a moment. There may be a word, there may be a thought, there may be an experience that's ready to come up. Maybe it's just some energy. And breathe into that place, into whatever it is coming that is coming up, and let it unfold more and more and more. And you'll start to have the consciousness of this. And you'll start to have more waiting to open for you as much as you're ready. And so explore this, let yourself feel it, give it a voice, give it expression, give it a narrative, let this story unfold. And you'll start to have a conscious awareness more and more of whatever it is that needs to be looked at, whatever it is that needs to be healed, whatever it is that needs to be, honestly, for you, I think just acknowledged. So see it. Let it be felt, give it love, give yourself love, and that will be the healing in and of itself. You said it, man, that's a healing practice right there. I mean, Mm -hmm. just having you take us all through that and just spending that second to take a deep breath. I haven't taken a deep breath all morning and really centered myself and feeling more connected to, to my body and to that depth. It, it, you cannot overstate the importance of that practice. Mm-hmm. And for this individual, I feel like, you know, you had, you had said this, it might just be an energy that comes up. And for this person, that might be what they get. And it would be fitting for the nature of the question that something rational doesn't come up here, but really something mm-hmm. that just needs to be felt. Um, and what I will say, I mean, I once again, love that you brought up the, you know, the psychological aspect to it the developmental aspect to it. You know, what, what formative things happened in your life that made you think that you had to justify what you did. And, you know, for all of us, that's different, right? Or at least for all of us who do have Mm -hmm. those explanations, it's different. But if this, I keep wanting to say patient, if this listener is 
female, you know, we grew up in a society that, that, you know, didn't give women permission to do what they wanted, you know, with their choices, with their bodies and stuff like that. And so, uh, I mean, I see this a lot more in women than I do in, um, in men for various reasons, but, uh, for a lot of my female friends, you know, asking for permission to do things that don't require anybody's approval, but their own. Um, and so understand and be gentle with yourself that this might not just be yours that you're working through either. It could be generational and it could be societal as well. So be patient with yourself. Um, you're, you're, you're right where you need to be. Yeah. And you, you brought up a really good point and just looking at that question again and what they had asked, um, right. There's, there's, there's a reason that's needed for something. And so in that experience of going into your body and just feeling what's there, maybe we don't need a reason and maybe we don't need that moment, but just to feel that that energy is there and you don't need to look for anything, whatever is supposed to surface will. So just acknowledgement of this tension of this, whatever it is, and just being with it for no reason at all, right? For the same piece of you deserve a break for no reason at all. You deserve love for no reason at all, other than the fact that you exist, that you are you. That's it. We have part two to this. Why is it that when our lives are at a plateau, we get stressed because we are unable to find the reason for it? Maybe it's just best to be present without having to find a purpose. So why is it so hard to just sit back? I think that, you know, the deeper level of this is, why can't I just be present? Why do I need to reason that same sort of thought again? So what's coming up for you? I mean, with, with all of these questions and our, our listeners ask phenomenal questions. I, I just want to say real quick, I feel so grateful to, to have such an introspective audience that, you know, listens to, or not, not listens, but, you know, just has these, these amazingly layered questions um, there are different ways to look at this one. Uh, this is one that I contend with frequently being in such a high paced field. There are societal pressures to produce, understand that you grew up in a world that utilizes capitalism, not only as an economic policy or as an economic philosophy, but as, um, a moral philosophy that if you grew up in the United States as well, you grew up in a lineage built on puritanical morality, which which basically says that hard work is moral. Um, and so we have these deep ingrained beliefs that whenever we're not working hard, we're not deserving. Whenever we're not working hard, we're being bad, we're being bad girls. Um, and I'm a bad girl often, if that's the, the, <laughs> the yardstick that we're using. Uh, but understand that, you know, you, you inherited a moral structure that made, that made hard work moral. Um, there's also the idea that, I mean, the world, let's not sugarcoat it, people, is in shambles right now. There's a lot of shit going wrong. Uh, and there's always been a lot of shit going wrong, but, you know, with, our modern era with the spiritual energies on the planet with phones and cameras, we really get a chance to see, you know, just how fucked up a lot of things are. And so I think for a lot of us who feel pulled 
by soul and feel pulled by um, what we perceive to be our moral obligations feel like every moment that we're sitting down not working or not working towards something is a moment that you could have spent working towards developing a skill that helps people or that corrects the ailments of the world. And I know that's how I feel frequently. And that if I were to stop pursuing the path that I were currently on, um, I, you know, I don't think that any amount of spiritual bypassing would save me from, you know, the feelings that would come up from that. So acknowledge like with anything where the feeling is coming up. And what we don't often recognize is that when we take a second to acknowledge where the feeling is arising from, that in and of itself is a practice of presence. You know, presence isn't always, I can make out every detail of the leaf on this tree and feel at one with it. Like, sure, that's a very, very high level experience of presence. But sometimes being present just means that you're present with yourself, which is, I don't feel like I can enjoy this moment because there's something else pulling at my attention. Well, let me be present with that sensation. Um, so, I mean, the, the fact that you asked this question is proof of concept that you are able to get present. So I just want to encourage you there. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Um, honestly, I, I don't have much to say after that. I think that was perfect. And that's honestly, I think the theme of, of what we've covered today, right, is, is just presence within yourself, presence within the experience, presence within your interactions, being there and being able to be fully there without any expectation of it, just to be in it and from there, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So there we had one more question, which we are not going to get into today, but uh, we'll give a little teaser for you. So this is what you're in store for next week. How much is epigenetics playing into what is going on in today's racial tensions and social movements? This is a big question, and it's going to take a lot of time to talk about. But what we uh, there's a perspective that we're going to take on, and we're just going to talk about the healing process as a whole, and you know what that looks like for you on an individual level, and how that expands out into a societal perspective, because that's what we're going here. That's what happens in that shift from 3D to 5D that we experienced over December. There are good, juicy topics coming from me and Zach. So, Zach is Zeke. Zach is Zeke. You're now Zeke. Zeke? I'll take it. <laughs> Anything, sir? <laughs> no, nope, there is nothing. My utter, my utter inability to read your social cue was any uh, was any determinant. And no, I have nothing. I've spent, oh, I have yeah. nothing to give. But you just want, and you want, <laughs> and you take, and you take, <laughs> and you don't return the love. All right, guys. All I ever wanted was homemade peach cobbler from you, but you can't even do that. Wait, I want some peach cobbler. All right, and I'm coming up and we're getting some peach cobbler and shooting some hoops and hiking around. Sounds peachy keen with your boy, Zachy Zeke. <laughs> with Zachy Zeke. <laughs> All right, everybody. We love you. Thank you for being with us here today. If there is anyone who you think would benefit from hearing the things that were shared today, please share us. Please share this episode with them and ask us a question. You're going to get some good answers. And with those answers, 
final peace is presence, present to your truth and your answers. Those are the things that matter most. We love you. Woke Wasted, out. <laughs>